How's everybody doing? Good to see you. Um, so uh, I am going to read a little bit from John, so I'm going to have you get a Bible and d- turn to John chapter 5 with me. There should be Bibles around you if you can help make sure everybody has an opportunity for one. There's page numbers up on the screen uh, and uh, want to... Uh, read the first 15 verses here, and then I'm going to have you keep my bi- your Bible open because um, we are going to uh, come back to it a few times uh, today. Uh, John chapter 5, and I am going to begin reading at verse 1. If you were here last week, Aaron referred to this story. We're going to go through it today. Afterward, Jesus returned to Jerusalem for one of the Jewish holy days. Inside the city near the Sheep Gate was the pool of Bethesda with five covered porches. Crowds of sick people, blind, lame, or paralyzed, lay on the porches. One of the men lying there had been sick for, sick for 38 years. When Jesus saw him, and knew he had been ill for a long time, he asked him, would you like to get well? I can't, sir, the sick man said, for I have no one to put me into the pool when the water bubbles up. Someone else always gets there ahead of me. Jesus told him, stand up, pick up your mat, and walk. Instantly, the man was healed. He rolled up his sleeping mat and began walking. But this miracle happened on the Sabbath, So the Jewish leaders objected. They said to the man who was cured, "Uh, you can't work on the Sabbath. The law doesn't allow you to carry this sleeping mat. But he replied, the man who healed me told me, pick up the mat and walk. Who said such a thing as that, they demanded. The man didn't know, for Jesus had disappeared into the crowd. But afterwards, Jesus found him in the temple and told him, now you are well, so stop sinning, or something even worse may happen to you. Then the man went and told the Jewish leaders that it was Jesus who had healed him. All right, as I mentioned, leave your Bible open. And uh, I have an old joke today, so laugh even if you've heard it, okay? Uh, but it is kind of, uh, kind of funny. Three nurses died and went to heaven, where they were met at the pearly gates by St. Peter. To the first he asked, so what did you used to do back on earth? Why do you think that you should be allowed into heaven? I was a nurse at an inner city hospital, she replied. I worked to bring healing and peace to many sufferers, especially poor, helpless children. Very noble, said Peter. You may enter. And in through the gates she went. uh, To the next, he asked the same question. So what did you used to do? I was a nurse at a missionary hospital in the Amazon basin, she replied. For many years, I worked with a skeleton crew of doctors and nurses who tried to reach out to as many people across numerous tribes with a hand of healing and peace and the message of God's love. How touching, said St. Peter. You too may enter. And in she went. He came to the last nurse to whom he said, So what did you do? back on earth. After some hesitation, she said, well, I was just a nurse at an HMO. St. Peter pondered for a moment, and then he said, okay, you too may enter. Whew, said the nurse. 
For a moment I thought you weren't going to let me in. Oh, you can come in, said St. Peter, but you can only stay for three days. Yeah, some of you will need an explanation later. Come and ask me. All right, here's our question for today. Have you, how have you experienced healing in your spiritual journey with Jesus? How have you experienced healing in your spiritual journey with Jesus? If you'd like to answer, Tim and Bill are going to run the mics. You get their attention. Uh, stand up, speak directly in the mic. Give us a brief answer, please. But I'd love to uh, hear from some of you. Um, Who would like to help us get started? Good morning, everybody. My name is Sarah. I'm in recovery. Um, one thing I've learned really recently is um, I really don't rely on the opinions of others anymore because I know that God sees me. He sees every single move I make. And I'm not going to feel bad about my past or the way other people feel about me because I know God's watching. I really I'm not concerned what anybody feels or thinks anymore. The only person that matters is God. And if I walk right and I do by him and I, and I walk in Jesus Christ, I'm healed. Because the most painful thing is the opinion and beating down of you know society. So if you realize that God is watching you and you walk right, you don't have to feel that pain anymore. Thank you, guys. Thank have you, Sarah. All right, who else would be willing to share? How have you experienced healing in your spiritual journey with Jesus? Um, I think for me, two of the most important things are learning to love myself and the practice of different thinking. Thank you, Jamie. Very good. Who else? Jason? I'd have to say for me, inner peace with myself and my past in sobriety. Thanks, Jason. Who else? Hi, Lighthouse family. My name is Jamie. Um, I've experienced healing through um, acceptance learning, acceptance, um, understanding of others, and forgiveness. Thank you, Jamie. Hello, I'm Galen, and uh, my healing has been from from realizing where my self-worth comes from. Very good. Thank you, Galen. Hi, Lighthouse family. This is Heather. I've experienced a lot of personal healing in my spiritual journey with Jesus because I didn't have any trust in myself. I was beaten down by a a really bad relationship that took all of my personality and everything with it. And Jesus was the only way I came back. Yeah, thanks, Heather. Thanks for being transparent. Who else would be willing to? I left a little time here, so anybody else want to share? Anybody else? 
All right, thank you. My name is Mike, and um, I would say my healing spiritual is for my daughter that is in recovery and is doing amazing, and I'm very proud of her. Mm. Thanks, Mike. <clears throat> is that your daughter? Oh, you're Morgan's dad. Hi. <laughs> Welcome. That is cool, yeah. Um, all right, Dan. Um, the experience I have in my healing with the spiritual journey of Jesus is uh, about 37 years ago, I, my mother-in-law was murdered in a double murder-suicide, and I was blaming myself for it for many years. And uh, coming here helped me heal that because it made me realize that I can take the blame off of me and take the hurt and the shame and wash it aside because I know it wasn't me now. And uh, that changed my life drastically, or awesomely, I should say, hmm. when that happened. Thank you. Yeah, thanks. Thanks, Dan. Right. Anybody else got time for one more? Anybody else want to share? All right. Aaron in the back, and we'll wrap up with Aaron. Uh, good morning. I would, uh, I would say that um, probably like one of the most pivotal points of my spiritual journey <clears throat> was um, coming to, uh, like when I when I first heard Dale uh, kind of give his spiel about uh, about a God that loves and cares for us very much and wants nothing more than to have a relationship with us. Um, I realized that that was something that I. I I wanted, I really wanted, and I needed. And um, I kind of uh, came to the realization, you know, like you really can't accept love from somebody until you're able to love yourself. And um, that, was, uh, that was a really pivotal point for me. Uh, it really brought a lot of things into perspective and um, made me realize like what I needed to do in order to properly and truly accept that that care and that love. Yeah, they're very good. Thanks, Aaron. <clears throat> so we call it a spiel now, huh? <laughs> uh, uh, so I want to I want to start this way. Um, I want to tell you as I've been wrestling with this text and uh, this healing story and thinking about um, our community, but also my own life, um, I want to just say that um, I am very grateful today. And it's not just because the weather has been so nice. Um, most of you know I'm in recovery for alcoholism, uh, which I have learned um, over time includes not only an addiction to alcoholism or to alcohol, but also the ism that accompanies our life-controlling issues and compulsive behaviors. Anybody here know what I'm talking about? And uh, I've learned that few of us alcoholics and addicts make it into long-term recovery. Very few. And I also am, um, as I think about my own life, addicted to sin. Um, even sober, I can act in selfish and destructive ways. And I make mistakes. Uh, there are days when I disappoint myself. 
But then there are days when I sin and I'm not even disappointed in myself. So now I'm disappointed in my lack of disappointment. Anybody know what I'm talking about? The fact that I am sober today, uh, that I am here before you sharing a message, can only be explained in one way. It's a miracle. It's a miracle. Uh, If you are an alcoholic or an addict, and you are sober today, I want you to know that you are a miracle. Uh, Because everything in your being... Everything in your being says something different. Uh, If you battle um, severe depression and you somehow were able to get out of bed and get up the strength to come to this place today, you are a miracle because depression has tried to control your life. If you deal with severe social anxiety or any kind of anxiety, and somehow you got up the courage to walk into this place and you know face the crowd today. That is amazing. And you are a miracle, because I know that um, that can be so difficult for you. Uh, if you deal with shame, overwhelming shame sometimes, um, not only do I know what that's like, um, but I also know that if, if somehow you have been able to Find the the strength and the courage to keep moving forward. That is a miracle. Good job. Uh, If you are separated from family or have been separated from family and have been reunited in some way, man, you know that is a miracle. That is a miracle. And if you uh, have a loved one who is struggling and somehow... Uh, the Lord has led you to working on yourself because you really can't control somebody else, right? Um, And you are now getting support. You are a walking miracle. Good job. Um, So here's here's what I I want you to hear today. And uh, this is like the, the, the one thing that I want everybody to take with them, okay? You didn't do it on your own. Um, Whatever has brought you to this day, um, you haven't done it on your own. I know that, and I'm very grateful. I also realize that the longer that we are here in uh, a recovery community or in Lighthouse Church, the the easier it is for us to take credit for ourselves. Like, look how amazing I am. I've been sober a while, or I've been... You know, in remission from some of the the difficulties that I face. How wonderful am I? By the way, that's a dangerous place to be. Um, Or sometimes I notice that people, you know, who have been, you know, at it for a while um, can get impatient with others who just don't seem to get it. Like we now get it. Uh, That's a dangerous place to be. Um, or what happens, what I, I find this happens around the Lighthouse community to me, um, I get so used to seeing the, the, the miracles that happen around me all of the time in our community, in your lives, that all of a sudden I kind of, you know, 
find that I don't take them for what they really are anymore. Acts of God's grace and power. I know, because I know so many of you, that you are a miracle. What God has done in your life is an absolute miracle. And today, I am grateful for that. So, um, I, love, uh, I love to get in conversations uh, with people about Jesus. Some of you have probably encountered that. And uh, today, we're going to have a little conversation about who Jesus is, because uh, really, that's what chapter 5 is all about. Um, and so, Aaron talked a little bit about that last week, and I'm going to talk about it a little bit more today, because it was kind of a critical thing uh, that John is dealing with. Um, he's dealing here with the identity of, of who is Jesus. In fact, I'd like to read a few more verses if you would like to uh, grab a Bible again. And I'm going to pick up where we left off. This follows the miracle story. We are going to go back through some of that miracle story again, but um, I want to vi- read a little bit further beginning at verse 16. At verse 16, it says, So the Jewish leaders began harassing Jesus for breaking the Sabbath rules. But Jesus replied, My father is always working, so am I. So the Jewish leaders tried all the harder to find a way to kill Jesus, for he has not only broke the Sabbath, he called God his father, thereby, thereby making himself equal with God. It's an important verse, important line. Um, they see it already that Jesus is God's one and only son. So Jesus explained, I tell you the truth, the Son can do nothing by himself. He does only what he sees the Father doing. What even the Father does, the Son also does. What the Father loves, the Son, um, for the Father loves the Son and shows him everything he is doing. In fact, the Father will show him how to do even greater works than healing this man. Then you will truly be astonished, for just as the Father gives life to those he raises from the dead, so the Son gives life to anyone he wants. In addition, the Father judges no one. Instead, he has given the Son absolute authority to judge, so that everyone will honor the Son just as the Father uh, they honor the Father. Anyone who does not honor the Son is certainly not honoring the Father who sent him. I tell you the truth, those who listen to my message and believe in God who sent me have eternal life. They will never be condemned for their sins, but they have already passed from death into life. To understand what's going on here in John's Gospel, chapter 5, uh, it's important that you understand a little bit of what the readers uh, were experiencing 2,000 years ago. Um, 2,000 years ago, uh, Christians who were reading this for the first time were being persecuted for their faith. And uh, there were um, some who were telling them that Jesus might have been a great prophet. Uh, He might have been a really good teacher, but he wasn't God's son. Um, He was not a divine revelation that was given to us. And John uh, writes recounting um, this healing story and then Jesus' own words to convey to his readers um, that Jesus himself Um, had claimed that he was the Son of God. So it's up to us now, kind of in reading, along with the the readers 2,000 years ago, to decide for ourselves, who do you say Jesus is? Who do you say Jesus is? Um, I spent a lot of time in the recovery community, um, and there's uh, a lot of talk in recovery communities, 12-step programs about a higher power, 
um, someone greater than me. I've learned there's a lot of things greater than me, by the way. Um, and um, even more importantly, uh, we're, we're kind of asked in a 12-step program to you know, find a higher power who can do something for us that we've not been able to do for ourselves. Pretty insignificant line. Uh, so we're told to get a higher power of our own understanding. Some of you are here, possibly in that search. You've been kind of looking for a, you know, a, a higher power of your own understanding, a God of your own understanding. And so today, um, I'm just going to tell you uh, briefly about mine. Um, my higher power is Jesus. Um, and um, I want you to know that you can not only have an understanding of who Jesus and is in, in God, but that you can know him personally and you can know his healing power personally. Um, God um, came as his one and only son, Jesus Christ. God, or Jesus, is God's one and only son. That's core to um, our Christian faith, that Jesus is God who came to earth. Um, we don't always understand how the whole Trinity thing works, the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. What we believe is that there's these three expressions or three people all in one. And so Jesus is a revelation of who God is and, and, and what God is like. In fact, uh, one of the core teachings of our faith has always been that Jesus is um, or was 100% a human being. And there have been times in my life where that meant a lot to me, that Jesus knows what we go through. Jesus was tempted. Jesus struggled. Jesus, you know, um, even felt a time of some despair um, that's very important to me that Jesus was a human being. But our, our faith actually teaches, my faith teaches, that Jesus was also 100% divine. That math doesn't work for us so much, but it did for God and, and his one and only son, Jesus Christ. Um, God revealed himself to you and to me in Jesus. He came not only to teach us, but to reveal to us that God is a God of love and a God of grace that's my spiel. God loves you uncondition unconditionally. <clears throat> Jesus came to join us in our pain and our brokenness and our struggles. He shares God's compassion for you and also his respect for you, for he does not force himself on us. He loves us way too much for that. Rather, he extends his hand and he offers or agrees to walk with us. And in doing so, um, he will guide us uh, into a new and more you know, hope-filled life. The message of Jesus' death on the cross is not that God simply has chosen to remove your pain or your brokenness. I think we know that to be true. But he actually redeems it by suffering and dying with us. That means that there is no sin that you have committed that is too great because God's grace is greater. It means that there is no mistake that you have made that is unredeemable because he is the great redeemer. It means that there is no darkness that is so dark that you will never find your way through life because his light 
is overpowering and will guide you. And that there is no despair that is going to be the final word in life when we know Jesus because Jesus is the final word in the answer. You know, often uh, we treat um, God like a paramedic. Uh, We call on him in crisis or in emergency. Um, God, save me from myself. Anybody ever utter that prayer? Uh, And, um, you know, I I think uh, that's not how God often operates. Um, Instead of rescuing us from our struggles, um, often what God does is he decides to join us in our struggles and to walk through them with us. Um, God often uses them to reveal himself to us because it is then that we realize how powerless we are and we turn to him and are more open. I had conversations after the first service with a couple of people about that. Some of you might have come to Lighthouse searching for a paramedic or a help. And um, I'd love to say God will just stitch you up and send you back out there. Um, but it's, it's a little more complicated than that. Uh, he wants to, to join you in your journey. Um, I want to look at this healing story again. And um, I want to point out a few things that you may have missed um, when we read it. And, uh, and I think it might help you understand a little bit about Jesus' healing power, but also a little bit about our life and how God works. So grab your Bible again. And I am going to... Um, read a, a few verses here and there. Let me, let me start with verses 1 through 3, chapter 5. So it says again, Afterwards, Jesus returned to Jerusalem for one of the Jewish holy days. Inside the city, near the sheep gate, was the pool of Bethesda with five covered porches. Crowds of sick people, say crowds of sick people. Crowds of sick people, blind, lame, or paralyzed, lay on those porches. Now it's really interesting um, how easy it is to miss in this story the crowds of sick people. Crowds of sick people. Not just a few sick people, crowds of sick people. Um, Jesus didn't waltz in and heal all of them. Isn't that interesting? He doesn't waltz in and say, okay, everybody, you're healed. Um, He comes in and he picks one guy. That's interesting. Um, Maybe he picked him for a reason. Um, We might find out. But um, what I don't want you to miss is the crowds. Don't miss the crowds. Don't miss the crowds. Because oftentimes we think that, that that's the way God's you know, healing power works. That everybody gets healed when they come to Jesus. And that's, that's not quite how it works. Not in the way that we want healing. Healing comes, but not in the way that we always want. Don't miss the crowds. So, verse 5, it says this. One of the men lying there had been sick for 38 years. 38 years, that's a long time. So that's older than some of you have even been alive. Um, It's almost like Jesus looks over the crowd and he picks the worst of the worst. He didn't just pick a sick man. He picked the man who had been sick for 38 years. Turn and tell somebody, 38 years. 
You know, and it, it raises an interesting question to me, like, who in the world counts? Who counts how long you've been sick? We do. You know, how many times have you gone to the doctor? How long have you had that cold? Oh, I know exactly how long I've had that cold. Yeah, 38 years, yeah. To some it might sound odd, but unless you've had a long-term illness, then you've probably counted. If you've ever been diagnosed with cancer, you know the day you were diagnosed. You know the day you were diagnosed, and you know exactly how long you've been ill. Those in the recovery community, uh, we talk about this all the time. I've, you know, we, we kind of spruce it up. We don't talk about, I've struggled with the disease of addiction. We say, um, well, my drinking career was 10 years or 20 years, or my using career was, you know how long. You know exactly how long. Um, if you've had um, depression or mental health issues, if you've had a heart attack, um, chances are, um, you know how long it's been because we count those things. It's interesting that we also kind of count how long we've been in remission. You know, I go to recovery meetings all the time. We announce I've been, you know, sober or clean this many days. It's kind of part of what we do. If you've had your depression or anxiety or your mental health improved, if you've had your, your kids back in your life or reunification with family, chances are you know just how long. You, you know, we count those kinds of things because they're important to us. If you struggle with grief and loss, oh man, you know just how long. We just lost my father-in-law. You know, right before Christmas. I know that. And uh, here's, here's something I, I just want you to take some consolation in. If you're struggling with something right now, God knows the number of days in your journey that you have been struggling. Because he's been with you in it. That's what I, I want you to know that. That God's not like absent during that time. He's with you in that time. God knows the number of days that you've been going through what you've been going through. There, are, there might be another um, clue to why Jesus picked this guy. It comes in verses 13 and 14. The man didn't know, for Jesus had disappeared into the crowd, but afterwards Jesus found him in the temple and told him, now you are well, so stop sinning, or something even worse may happen to you. We don't know this for sure, but maybe the illness or struggle was due to a sin that this man had committed? Maybe. Now we read in other places what, uh, that we know that suffering is not an index of people's sin. Um, what, you know, God doesn't punish you for you know, the, the bigger sins by punishing you more. That, the Bible is pretty clear about that. But we also know in this life that some of our suffering in life um, though has some correspondence with the sin or the, the, the behaviors that we have exhibited. Sometimes our suffering has nothing to do with our sin. Sometimes it does. Do you understand me? Yeah. Um, you know, one of the things that we learn um, in a recovery program is that the 
the first step to healing um, and, and recovery often means taking responsibility ourselves and stop blaming others. Um, and so that's kind of what Jesus is doing here with this guy. Um, yeah, pretty powerful. Verse 6. When Jesus saw him and knew that he had been ill for a long time, he asked him, Would you like to get well? Would you like to get well? I was really struck by that question. Well, of course he wants to get well. Maybe. You know, um, those of you who are in recovery from anything in your life, uh, you've had to answer that question. Do you really want to get well? Are you willing to go to any length to get well? You know, I think God asks us that question. You know, do you really want to get well? I mean, sometimes, truthfully, um, we kind of like to have our cake and eat it too, you know? Little, you know, I kind of like to get well, but on my own terms. Um, you know, especially if our, if our illness is due to our own actions, um, sometimes we find comfort in what we know. Or am I the only person in that boat? Our illness and depression can often paralyze us, and it's hard to budge. This man, if healed, um, his life would be totally different. He's been laying on that mat begging for 38 years. If he gets healed, he's going to have to start providing for himself. He's going to have to get a job. It's a fair question. Do you want to get well? It's what the guy knew. So Jesus asks, do you want to get well? I suspect he asks us too, huh? Do you want to get well? Some of you might be here because you're not well. Uh, you've been trying to, to solve your own issues on your own. Um, maybe church will help or Jesus will help. <laughs> you heard about the lighthouse. So now you get to meet Jesus, the Son of God, by the way. 100% human, 100% divine. He is a higher power who can bring healing and recovery and hope into your life. Do you want to get well? Verse 7. Well, I can't, sir, the sick man said, for I have no one to put me into the pool when the water bubbles up. Someone else always gets there ahead of me. It's kind of an interesting story. So um, they believed back in that day that this pool had some magical formulas. There was obviously kind of a little you know, bubbling up thing that would happen in it. And, and they believed that angels would actually come and stir the water. And when they stirred the water, the first person in would get healed. And if you're lame, that's kind of a barrier um, from getting the healing that the pool offered. Um, but he does say something really important. I don't want you to miss it. He says, um, I can't on my own. I can't on my own. Um, I need help. I'm powerless over this. Man, even 2,000 years ago, they're working the steps. Step number one, right? And in verse 8, Jesus told him, Stand up, pick up your mat, and walk. I just don't want you to miss this either. Jesus says, Stand up and pick up your mat. Uh, he says, If we're going to do this, we're going to do it together. Huh? We're going to do it together. Um, my healing power is 
you know, very effective, but it kind of is going to take a little bit of your cooperation. <laughs> That's so interesting. Um, Jesus heals by joining with us. I'm here. I can do it. But you've got to stand up, dude, and pick up your mat. He brings his grace and power and walks with us, but we do our part. Jesus doesn't force this man to get up. He invites him into the healing process. He touches us, empowers us, and walks with us. And with him, the impossible becomes possible. But he also says, pick up this mat. I just want you to think about that mat. It had been carrying this guy for 38 years. 38 years he's been on that mat. And now Jesus says, stand up and pick it up. Uh, makes me wonder um, what kind of a mat has been kind of carrying you for a while? Hmm. What kind of mat has been kind of carrying me? That maybe it's time to turn over to the Lord and ask for him to heal it and, you know, for me to be able to roll it up and start moving forward. Man, that's powerful stuff. Um, I uh, have a friend uh, in this church who I first met in the recovery community, and um, he, he'd tell you the story about, um, you know, a lot of people here kind of have struggled with who Jesus is, and they've just kept coming because it, it's helped. And, and uh, there was a day in his journey when he accepted Jesus uh, into his life and said, okay, I give up, I'm yours. And uh, he had been struggling with a tick for the longest time, and the tick left him that day. Yeah. You never know. Sometimes it happens. Sometimes it doesn't. Um, but God's healing power is always sure. Um, what have you been carrying around, or what's been carrying you for a long time? Uh, Jesus asks, do you want to get well? <laughs> so... Um, before we wrap up, I just want to say, because um, I know they have a diverse group here, um, we all deal with something. It's been one of the you know, things that I've known throughout my whole ministry, that most people are dealing with stuff that we have no, no idea what it is, know nothing about. Um, sometimes it's hard for us to even admit it. Um, what I want you to know is that um, the Bible is pretty clear that that we should um, come to the Lord um, for healing. And uh, it even says, you know, to pray boldly. Bible says to, you know, to come before the elders and, um, you know, they'll anoint you with oil for healing. They'll lay hands on you and they will, they will pray. And Bible says to do these things. Um, I can't tell you over the years how many people I have prayed for, how many people I've anointed oil um, over and put my hands on them and prayed specifically and boldly for God's supernaturally, supernatural healing, um, and it didn't happen. Didn't happen in the way I was praying. You know, I, I remember Jesus' words in the Garden of Gethsemane, you know, Lord, do this for me supernaturally, but thy will be done, not mine. Um, I've also learned that, that sometimes... 
Uh, the healing that God brings into our life is giving us the encouragement to, uh, to finally go to the doctor for this thing. Or start taking the meds that I'm supposed to be taking as they're prescribed. And um, as uh, we found out um, with my, my father-in-law, I found out with my parents and other loved ones, sometimes the healing actually comes in heaven. Much better than anything we'll ever get on this earth. But the Bible says pray. Um, and, and Jesus asks, do you want to get well? <laughs> do you want to get well?